It's time for CE Sports with your host, Christian Esparza. Welcome back to CE Sports. I'm Christian Esparza. Again with me today is Parker Haney. Uh, Parker, we had a great week six in the NFL. Uh, there was just a lot, a lot going on. Three overtime games, as you mentioned. Uh, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, really, really exciting. And I guess I want to open with like, and I know we still obviously see some blowouts and the Lions still haven't won a game, but it's just coaches are getting better and players are the most talented they've ever been. I think that the, and we talked a little bit about it, um, the talent disparity between teams just isn't really there. Like, there's obviously a top tier of talent where you have Aaron Donald, T.J. Watt, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, right, where you have the really, really, really good players. But but the the average players and then the below average players, there just isn't really that much disparity. And so all of these games, like, and I think I mentioned this as well, I heard it on a podcast, it was like if, if a team is ever favored by a touchdown on another NFL team, take – the underdog, right? Because there's, it just isn't feasible that one team is a touchdown better than the other team, as, especially as far as talent goes. Yeah. And now with the way that these like offensive-minded head coaches and offensive coordinators are getting in and putting in these schemes, and it's just so easy for the offense to move the ball regardless of if you have talent or not. Like, look at who's on the Texans. They don't have talent. <laughs> Davis Mills is fine. And their wide receivers are fine. Jared Goff, I think, is a is a decent quarterback, but who's he throwing the ball to? Nobody. And they can still move. I mean, they didn't this last week, but they've still <laughs> been able to move the ball and still been able to, you know, stay in these games because of, you know, it used to just be like two or three coordinators that were way ahead of the rest, and yeah. those were the best offensive minds in the game. Now it's just every team has this special you know, coordinator that is way ahead of his time and doing different things. And, like, I, th- that's why we're seeing so many close games, right? That's why – That's why the Eagles can hang with the Buccaneers. Yes, literally. Like, I'm so glad that you said that. I think the NFL is in a better spot right now than maybe – I think it's comparable to what the 90s were for the NFL. Yeah. I think this is a huge, huge kind of evolution era for the league because – Traditionally, I mean, like 10 years ago, you had all the coaches, like every single head coach had basically been in the league forever. Yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot of like new people coming in, new movement and stuff. But now, like once Sean McVay kind of set that precedent, it was like Sean McVay took over the Rams. And then it's like, holy crap, everybody wants this offensive wonder kid as their head coach. So the Bengals went and got Zach Taylor. The Packers went and got Matt LaFleur. I mean, even Kellen Mond with the with the Cowboys right now, he's probably going to get head coaching interviews next year. Yeah. Like, It is so insane the amount of young talent that's coming in, not at the player level, but at the, the next level up coaching and stuff like that. And I think it's I think it's awesome. It's super fun to see the kind of like passing of the torch from like the older generation to this new generation. Yeah. And it, it's it's great. So. I think um, there are a couple really big storylines yesterday. Number one, 
the Ravens beat the Chargers, uh, and this was huge. I tweeted during the game. I said, uh, I think if Lamar Jackson beats the Chargers, he's the favorite for MVP right now. Somebody rightfully, they said, well, what about Josh Allen? And I was like, well, that's a good point too. But, I mean, the Ravens are 5-1 and one right now, and this was my argument. Lamar Jackson is even more valuable to the Ravens than Josh Allen is to the Bills. I mean, if without Lamar Jackson, the Ravens are probably 1-5 and five or 0-6, oh yeah. considering all the injuries they've had to dealt with. But now, I mean, he beat Patrick Mahomes already. He's beat uh, Justin Herbert, who was rolling. I mean, the Chargers were coming off a huge win. So now the Ravens are 5-1, and one, uh, just completely playing out of their minds, doing way better than they have any right to losing. I mean, Marcus Peters went down. All their running backs got hurt. A few defensive linemen, they've dealt with injuries on the offensive line. Like, it's ridiculous that they're doing this good. Yeah, it definitely feels like – I mean, everybody said that, right? Everybody was like, oh, no, now they're going to be in for a down year. Let's just, like, recoup. People were talking about even benching Lamar Jackson just because, like, you know, he's not going to – don't send him out there and have him get hurt, and now yeah. you're in an even worse spot. But – He's just come out and just absolutely balled on everybody. And I think you're 100% right. I do think that he should be the front runner for MVP because Josh Allen hasn't beat anybody yet. Yeah. They lost to a Steelers team that nobody really knows who they are, and then they have five wins against five bad teams. I five. I just came off of talking about how every team is good <laughs> and whatnot. But you see what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I mean... Like, Lamar has some some real <laughs> wins under his belt right now, and it's been because of him. And everybody was saying that he was going to get figured out, that he was going to have a down year, that, that everybody had something to say about Lamar Jackson, and all he's done is gone out and won ball games. Even when he has fumbled late in the fourth quarter, he's still figured out a way to win, and he's just a stud. The, the one that I would say instead of Josh Allen is Kyler Murray. True. For MVP, but... Regardless, I, I still think, think that those I think three Kyler are, Murray's got a lot more talent around him, which, I mean, he's still a great player. But oh, it's, yeah, totally. there's a reason that people call him Lamar Jackson 2.0. Yeah. Um, one thing, though, just staying with this game, one last point, is the Chargers gave up 250 yards on the ground in their game against the Browns. They barely won that game. Last night, or yesterday afternoon, I guess, they gave up almost 200 to the Ravens. Admittedly, they are the two best rushing teams in the NFL, but is this something that the Chargers need to worry about, not being able to stop anybody on the ground? Yeah, I mean, I think you just said it yourself. Like, it's the two best rushing teams in, in the NFL, and they're really good. The one thing that I would worry about is that, and maybe this is just, again, just good on the Ravens, but it didn't necessarily come from Lamar Jackson, right? Oh, I'm he had right 44. Now. Yeah, it was pretty pretty split between yeah, three different Devontae players. Devontae Freeman, nine carries, 53. Lamar had eight for 51. Latavius Murray, nine for 44. Le'Veon Bell had eight for 18. And then Devin Duvernay had one for 11, and Tyler Huntley had three for 10, right? So you have six guys all with over <laughs> at least 10 rushing yards. It's kind of like, yeah, that's probably a bad thing. And it's probably something that, yeah, it's probably something that, you know, should definitely be noted. But well, it's also, like you were saying, it's hard to fully understand what it is because the Ravens have done this to a lot of people. I mean, they just barely lost the rushing record of 
you know, so many games with over 100 rushing yards as a team. I don't remember what they were at. Yeah. They tied the record and then didn't get it against the whoever they played last week. <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is that it's two good rushing teams, and I don't really know how worried the Chargers should actually be. So this is the Chargers schedule coming up. Next week they play the Patriots. I mean, Damian Harris just went over 100. They play the Vikings two weeks after that. Um, I'm not worried about Miles Sanders on the Eagles. They play the Vikings two weeks after the Patriots. Obviously, Dalvin Cook and Madison are dogs. Then they play the Steelers. Najee Harris has been turning it on recently. Um, Not really worried about the Broncos or the Bengals. But, I mean, Uh, maybe maybe Mixon could could pop off in that game. Uh, Then the Giants, depending on how healthy Saquon is. Then the Chiefs and then the Texans. Then the Broncos again. Then the Raiders again. So it's like I'd say about half of those teams could potentially like put up mo- yeah like moving the ball on the ground. Yeah, they could potentially put up 150 yards or more on the on the Chargers. So that I might- guess I guess the thing is like maybe it has been an issue in the in their first few games this season and we just haven't cared because Justin Herbert was putting up 400 yards and four touchdowns, right? Right, but when Herbert struggles. Exactly. So when Herbert struggles and the Baltimore defense kind of balls out, holds them to just 6 points. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, shoot, are there real problems with this Chargers team? And right. maybe there are. And maybe it's kind of like the same thing that we saw with the Chiefs for the last three years where, yeah, everybody knew that they kind of had some defensive struggles. Nobody cared because Patrick Mahomes was going to put up five touchdowns and they were going to have 600 yards of offense. Right. So I, I guess I don't know if it should be a worry or not, right? And maybe Justin Herbert isn't, you know, Patrick Mahomes and – and it's and it's one down game, so it's very important not to overreact. I yeah, mean, totally. Herbert had three insane games before this, so definitely not overreacting here. But it is something to monitor. Over to another big storyline is the Cardinals were able to beat the Browns. Um, the Cardinals are still undefeated; they're six and zero now. Even bigger, potentially, I think the Browns are just too injured now. I mean, coming in, you mentioned you put money on them to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Lots of people, including me, had them potentially making a deep run in the playoffs. Now they're fourth place in the AFC North. And on top of that, they they just got a lot of injuries, and it might be too much to overcome. I mean, Baker Mayfield tore the labrum in his left shoulder. It's not his throwing arm, but he's still in a lot of pain. He had it in a sling after the game last night. Uh, Jarvis Landry, he's out. Odell Beckham is coming off of a big injury, still not looking the same. Um both of their tackles, I believe, missed the game yesterday. Yeah, both I think of their starting tackles were out. Miles Garrett tweaked something, and it's just, I mean, they have a quick turnaround. They play Thursday night against the Broncos, so it's like they're already dealing with injuries, and then they play another game in three more days. So it's like, just sucks. Yeah, I mean, so Kareem Hunt goes down with the calf Oh, Kareem injury. Hunt, I'm and Nick Chubb, too. Yeah, so Nick Chubb didn't play. He practiced, like, a little bit. I think that he could have played, Yeah, and they were kind of just like, it's not, you know, right. what's the point? And then Kareem got hurt, and now they were like, well, shoot, that sucks. Kareem, I think they said they were going to put him on IR. Yeah. Looked like he could be missing like three weeks, four weeks. He said, uh, Coach Stefanski said he'll probably miss a little bit of time on top of the three weeks for IR. So yeah. probably four to five. Yeah, so I think that Nick Chubb is going to come back, and I think he'll be fine. I think that he – Nick Chubb has the ability to be an every down back. They oh, yeah. just didn't need him to be because they had Kareem Hunt as well, right? So I don't necessarily think, like, that's going to be a huge issue. 
And I am a huge Baker guy. I really love him. I love his mentality, and I love him as a leader. But I think that he can lead from the sideline. And if I'm being honest, there's a little bit of bias, but Case Keenum, baby. I don't know if Case Keenum is a worse option. You know what I mean? Well, like, and that's like you mentioned, great leader, blah blah blah. But one thing that you left out is on the field. I yeah. mean, the last couple of weeks, Baker has not been yeah. what they need him to be. Yeah, he's been missing throws left and right. It, and I, again, I'm a huge Baker guy. Right. I'm still a believer. I don't necessarily know if he's a number one pick type of talent but like I love what Baker does I love what he brings to a team but if I'm being honest like I guess maybe just save it for the playoffs I've seen what Case Keenum can do and yeah he's a little bit older but he can come in he's very competent and when you have a running game like the Browns do it's like we've been saying the whole time you don't need Baker to do a whole lot and you're not going to need Case Keenum to do a whole lot and that's why Case Keenum was so successful in Minnesota. I mean, yeah, because Dalvin just talent. ran for 170 yards a game. Well, yeah, and on top of that, they had Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and it's like yeah. that's top tier like receiving talent. And I mean, Case Keenum, there's a reason he's still in the league, right? Um, he's a veteran. He's smart, not physically like amazing, but I mean, he's a backup. What do you expect? I think he's probably one of the top backup quarterbacks in the league. So. I yeah, think no, I, I think that he'd be – I mean, if he was on the Texans, he'd be starting. Yeah. Like 100%. Right. So that'll be the Browns and their injuries. That is another thing to monitor from now on. Uh, the last thing I want to touch before we get into our big thing, um, three overtime games you mentioned, Parker. One of them, uh, the Vikings and Panthers. I just got a notification. The Vikings plays Patrick Peterson on IR, which is interesting because they said he was cramping um, when he left the game yesterday, but – you don't go on IR for cramping. I don't have a notification saying what the injury is, so that's something we'll have to look more into. But, I mean, he's going on IR. That's a huge blow for Minnesota's secondary. But as far as the game goes, uh, it was close, closely contested. The Panthers, Sam Darnold kind of struggled through 90% of the game. And then that last drive, he put together a 95-yard drive, converted on two big fourth downs, and a two-point conversion, sent it to overtime. But then, I mean, the Vikings were just they, – they won the coin toss. Yeah. And I think I mean, that's, that's the big thing. Yeah, that's really all there is to it. I mean, granted, it's like you were saying, Darnold didn't have it for 55 minutes of that game. Yeah. And so, I'm not saying he wouldn't have had it for overtime, but I would have been fine even if we lost the toss just because I felt like our defense was going to figure it out. Like you said, they held them to two fourth downs on their – game tying drive and just kind of fluke stuff you know honestly just unlucky right Patrick Peterson goes down uh, on the second third on the second series that was a fourth down and then Cam Dantzler comes in and they throw a touchdown over his head and I don't blame Cam Dantzler I think that's a hard position to come into you've played maybe three snaps all game and now you come in you got to cover a guy on a fourth down in uh more and that's, I mean, that's just a hard position to be in. But, um, yeah, I, I guess along that same note, I mean, I love Patrick Peterson. I think that he's done a lot of good things, and he he adjusted quickly through, you know, as the season has gone on. But I also don't, like I was saying, I don't have any problems with Cam Dancer. I think that yeah, I like Cam. Yeah, I think that he can still be a good enough corner, um, to you know. 
let our defense do what they need to do, right? To still go man, to still blitz Harrison Butler, to still – I mean, yeah. I love seeing Anthony Barr back out there. Finally, he's back on the field. Him and Eric Kendricks, uh, in my opinion, are two of the best, like, They're duo of line, one of the best yeah, linebacker duo of the linebackers. Um, but here's here's my big thing. This is my only rant, and I want you to be honest with me and tell me if I'm just being biased. I don't know if there's another team in the league – that has a skill room that is as good as the Vikings. I so as far as top level talent, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are one of the best receiver duos in the league. Dalvin Cook is obviously a top five running back when he's healthy. The only thing is, outside of those three, they don't really have a whole lot. I mean, uh, KJ Osborne had a pretty good, yeah, pretty that, big caught game, that game winning touchdown. Yeah, yesterday. But he's not really out, really reliable. I think I definitely put the Bucks above the Vikings, um, just because they have more. But uh, I mean, yeah. But then I mean, right. I'm not every. I would probably take, and again, this is probably biased, but I would probably take Alexander Madison over Leonard Fournette. Fournette Maybe. just doesn't move the ball like Madison does. Right. I think. And Madison, so I'm saying, as far as like just strictly like all the way across the board, Dalvin Cook is a top five running back. Right. And Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are two of the most productive. They were. They've scored the most touchdowns since Justin Jefferson got drafted oh, easily, as a duo. Yeah. And so it's like, as far as just like production goes. Yeah. I don't think that there's. I tried to think about it. I don't know if there's a skill room that's better. Well, and another Maybe good the argument Packers, for them. The Packers don't really have a second wide receiver. Another good argument for them, like everybody knows that Kirk Cousins isn't really a top-tier quarterback. Yeah. But you look at what Minnesota's offense is able to do, and it's like clearly these skill players are Yeah, you look at his numbers, and they aren't bad. And no, I, they're it's, good. It's, yeah, it's a huge <laughs> part because of, <laughs> yeah. because of his skill guys. And so, anyway, that brings me to my final point of like, we scored or we had over 500 yards of offense yeah. and we went to overtime with a crappy Panthers team. I Sorry, not a crappy Panthers team, a crappy Sam Darnold yeah. for 55 minutes. Right. Why are we going to overtime with that team? Right. And I want to give a huge shout-out to the Panthers defense because they are freaking dogs. They, they are, are unreal. They fly around. And Dude, they, they do hits. exactly what we talked about in last week's pod. They just bend and don't break. Yeah, we got we hit, we ran like thirty plays in the red zone and only came away with twenty eight <laughs> points in regulation. They just they <laughs> they force field goals instead of giving up touchdowns, and that's I mean the Panthers defense is really good. But anyway, I'm just frustrated with the Vikings offense because you look like right. You kind of go through the running backs. Yeah, right. So Derrick Henry. The wide receivers, I guess, are there. The Titans should be better than they are because you have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and Derrick Henry. So that's the only one that I could even think of. But then you go to, like, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Well, Odell's hurt and not playing to the level that he should be. And Jarvis Landry, I don't know if I would put him above Adam Thielen. Definitely. And then I just – anyway. No, sorry, I Sorry, that you. was my rant. I just – our offense is way better than the numbers that they're putting up, and it's really frustrating me. I think the Vikings have – I mean, obviously, they have had a good past few weeks. They're really coming on as a playoff contender in the NFC. Um, some other overtime games, we had the Cowboys and Patriots. I thought this was super interesting. So this is the Patriots' schedule so far. Lost by one point to a crappy Dolphins team. That's been the Dolphins' only win against, um, only win on the whole year. Yeah. 
Then they womp on the Patriot, or excuse me, they womp on the Jets by almost 20. They lose to the Saints by double digits. Barely lose to the Buccaneers, one of the top teams in the NFL, by two points. Barely beat the Texans by a field goal. And then yesterday, go to overtime with the Cowboys, one of the elite offenses in the league. So it's like the Patriots, I I still don't want to call them a good team because watching them, I feel like they're really, really not. But they've had a couple really close games against some really good teams, and then they've had close games against really bad teams too. So it's like uh, maybe they just play to their competition. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I – that I think it is one of the most basic, like, play to the level of your competition kind of things, but it also goes back to my opener where it's like yeah, you have a really good head coach, mm. and I don't care that your skill guys aren't one of the few that we've been listing. Your skill guys are still some of the most skilled players that have ever played the game, right? Like Kendrick Bourne is still one of the most skilled guys to ever – play like it, this, this yeah comparatively to yeah, anybody comparatively, who's ever touched a football yeah ever. to everybody else and so it's like again i've said it so many <laughs> times the talent disparity just isn't like what we think it is and so i believe that they can take the cowboys and the buccaneers to you know some close games and an overtime game but then like you said the dolphins just lost to freaking jacksonville and yet beat the patriots and it's like <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Third overtime game of yesterday was the Sunday night football slot. Steelers and Seahawks. Um, <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, I definitely think the Seahawks win that game with Russell Wilson. I do want to point out DK Metcalf's boneheaded play there at the, I guess, their final regular play of regulation. Um, if you didn't watch, basically Metcalf caught a ball on the sideline. Seahawks are out of timeouts. He needs to get out of bounds. And bless his heart, I mean, he tried to fight forward for yards to maybe snag a field goal, but uh, he fumbles the ball. Yeah. And luckily he had a teammate dive on the ball, and they're able to get a spike with literally one second left on the clock. But it's like you got to be aware of what's going on. And they always say, like, you could fumble. you got to be careful. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's the situation that happened. Yeah, I think he – I guess I don't know for sure, but I still think he had every intention of getting out of bounds. But it's like you were saying. He was like, you know, we're at Heinz Field and we need to be a little bit closer. So I'm going to duck my head for a few more yards and then I'll just fall out of bounds, right? Mm -hmm. But he puts his head down and the helmet goes on the ball and he fumbles the ball. And that's the risk. I should have looked it up what corner that was, but that was such a heads up play. Like watching the replay, he saw, like, he didn't even try to tackle him at all. Yeah. The corner, he had help from behind him. Um, so there was a player kind of taking DK down from behind. But the corner that was right in front of him, like, he literally broke down, winded up, and just yeah. punched that ball out. And just great, great awareness. Steelers defense is so good. Absolute worst-case scenario would obviously be the Steelers falling on that ball and winning. Um, just crazy that the Seahawks and Geno Smith, I mean, were able to get on the ball and get a spike down. But Yeah, I, so I guess my other comment is, like, how much did it actually matter, right? So yeah. he does get out of bounds, and now you have seven seconds. And what do you do? You maybe run right. another play, maybe take a shot at the end zone, I guess. And I maybe think try they and definitely still kick the field goal. Yeah, I think um, that you still kick a field goal, and then you have the same result. Right. The big one is don't let <laughs> a tackle go one-on-one with T.J. Watt. 
when you're in field goal range and then you get sacked and then you have to punt. Yeah, I and think it's like like what DK did, I think he picked up maybe five extra yards. Maybe. Right. It's not like it did that much more for the Seahawks. Yeah. And then what's funny to me is he's been arguing with Shannon Sharp on yeah, Twitter all day. That. And <laughs> it's like do you not realize who Shannon Sharp is? I don't yeah. know. I don't like maybe just some people aren't aware, but I I definitely think that some of these younger receivers and it's frustrating. I I'm starting to put DK kind of in that same category as like Juju. And it's like mm. I think I don't know. <laughs> Based off of this little Twitter rant with Shannon sure, Sharp. Sure. Um it's just yes, you've done some things. And you're able to, you know, talk your talk. But literally, like, really what else has DK done? I mean, he had a good rookie year, and he had a good year last year. But it's like you're not – you don't have the, the credentials to argue with Shannon Sharp on Twitter about running out of bounds versus fumbling, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm with you. But also, I mean, to defend DK. Right. That's just what – today's day and age is right, right. like and athletes athletes just don't take it anymore right like yeah. anytime somebody from the media says something they're gonna just defend themselves because there's no longer that gatekeeper of the press right so he can just get on and be like yo uncle shannon why are you saying crazy stuff <laughs> right but i'm with you right like no, shannon definitely. sharp you know is is who he is and he has done what he's done and that's why he's in the spot that he is but i also <laughs> i mean dk's He's good. He's top 10 receiver. I'm not going to lie. Okay. He is a top right. 10 receiver. As long as we're on the same page. Like no, DK is going to break some records, and he's going to do some crazy things. He's good. He is on pace to break some records. He's going to break some records. That's something we're going to talk about in our next segment, actually, is another receiver who had potential, and they're, they're not living up to it. So let's move, <laughs> yeah, let's move on to DK that. DK ain't no Odell. <laughs> DK's freaking 6'4", 240, and runs – I a like some DK. And I think playing with Russ, I think it's going to – whether Russell Wilson stays with the Seahawks, I think is going to be a huge – He's not going to. You think he's He's leaving? out. Yeah. Especially because he's going to be on the sideline. They're going to – he he wanted to leave the team when they won 10, 12 games. Yeah. So who's going to be their quarterback? Well, I don't know. Who's going to be thrown to DK to help him break all these records? Gino, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they no, I don't actually, think that the Seahawks are like a sad – like. The Seahawks have been talking though. to Cam Newton, actually. He just got vaccinated, um, hoping that that will let, I mean. Be, make more teams more yeah, willing. Yeah, give some interest, and the Seahawks have reached out to him. So that's probably a move that's going to happen soon. But anyways, so Thursday I was watching Tom Brady uh, play Thursday Night Football, and they mentioned how he's the all-time passing yards and touchdowns leader and, like, reaching all these milestones and blah, blah, blah. He's 44 years old. I got to thinking, like, Peyton Manning held those records originally after Brett Favre. Brett Favre held them for a really long time. Peyton Manning broke those records, and then he had to retire at 40 because, I mean, he was basically falling apart. So what if Peyton Manning was physically able to play until he was 44 or 45? Um, five years ago, Manning retired with 71,940 yards and 539 touchdowns. Both of those records were eventually broken by Drew Brees and then Tom Brady, but if he could have played five more years, I think it's really fair to say he'd still have those records. I don't think Drew Brees would have caught up to him. 
Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as saying, like, Peyton Manning broke, got those records when he was 40, and it took Tom Brady another four years to get to him. Right. And, yeah, I mean, I like I like the conversation, but I think it, it just kind of heads to, I mean, one, what the TB12 is, right? Like it's crazy. It's, it's literally, like, no longer, like, oh, does this actually work? It's, like, he is a literal freak, and it's something that he's doing in yeah. his personal life and with his health and with the way that he treats his body in order to still be doing this. It's ridiculous, and dude. And the other thing – and I don't know the numbers on this. I have no idea how many times Tom Brady's been hitting his career. I don't know how many times Peyton Manning was hitting his career. But I do know that Tom Brady just never got sacked. He never goes down, right? Yeah. And so I also think that that goes back to the classic Aaron Rodgers quote, or I guess Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers quote of, right, if Aaron Rodgers were drafted by Bill Belichick and to the Patriots organization, yeah, he'd have had 10 Super Bowls because Aaron Rodgers is way more talented than Tom Brady is. But Tom Brady got drafted to the Patriots and Bill Belichick, and their first thing they did was, we're going to protect you. Yeah, and now we're going to give you these receivers. And like, so I think it goes it goes into, one, TB12 and how he you know, takes care of his body, and then, two, the organization that he was put in. Peyton Manning struggled for the first few years. Yeah. And Tom Brady took over and immediately won a Super Bowl, basically. Exactly. But, yeah, Tom Brady playing at an elite level at 45 years old is unprecedented. And I dare say I don't think we're ever going to see that again. I mean, oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers I I just is don't think so. 37, 38. And he's, and he's already, already looking, looking old. Like, he had a stellar year last year. And this year, he's he's definitely not bad by any means. But, I mean, it's a clear step down. Yeah. Why ben just Roethlisberger's the way that looking old. Yeah. Ben is. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Ben's been looking old. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> I had this. Although Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he was flying to that pylon. Well. And he caught that pylon. And he still and he said, I, You know, you. <laughs> that was so funny. And he's going to be he a He took off. Year, I didn't know. <laughs> I really didn't think he was going to get there. I, like, saw the highlight of it. No, if he wasn't playing Chicago, he wouldn't have done that. But he just loves <laughs> – like, that's true. one of his favorite things ever is just beating Chicago. Yeah. Funny well, in the post game, he's like – That lady flipped me the double yeah, bird. Yeah, <laughs> double bird. And if I'm being honest, I don't know what I said right then. <laughs> that's so awesome. But like I said, I had this thought, and I was like, this would be a super fun segment to do, inspired by, like, Marvel's What If series. So these are – that's one of mine what ifs. Parker, what's one of the what ifs that you have? Yeah, mine was um, we go back to three years ago. Um, let's see, yeah, three Super Bowls ago, three playoffs ago, and Chris Jones jumps off sides against the Rams on against the Patriots. Sorry, against the Patriots AFC on, title game. Yeah, and the, on the fourth down, right? Yeah, it was a fourth pretty sure down. it was on fourth down, and that gave them the first down. They would go ahead and score. Patriots would. Go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's like – I mean, the Chiefs were better. Yeah. I, that was Patrick Mahomes' MVP season. Yeah, the Chiefs were freaking was, good. Yeah, when he was literally like – Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> when Patrick was doing what Patrick was doing. Anyway, so – they are one offsides away from three straight Super Bowls and yeah. probably two wins because, like we were saying, the Chiefs were probably better than the Rams as well, um, who played the Patriots in that Super Bowl. Um, 
And then I just, I don't know. Then I guess Patrick Mahomes, the other what if that I had was then Patrick Mahomes has that win over Tom Brady. So you think if they go to the Super Bowl and beat the Rams, then the Chiefs also beat the Bucks last year? Let's say everything plays out the so exact that, same yeah, that's after all, that. Yeah, that's all I'm saying is that the Chiefs then, like, I don't know, some stupid little thing. Patrick Mahomes has already beat Tom Brady. Now yeah. he knows how to do it. Now they beat the Bucks and the Chiefs win three in a row. That's insane. And now what are we looking at, right? Like we're looking in – nobody's ever won three straight, right? I don't know. I don't think so. The only team that could have would have been the Patriots in the 2000s. I don't think they ever did. I yeah. know Denver won two in a row, and then I think New England won two in a row. I think New England won two in a row. I don't know yeah, if anybody's three ever straight. won three. Wow. Anyway, right? So we're looking at one of the greatest dynasties of all time. And, again, it's just speculation, and we're playing what if. But Chris Jones doesn't jump off sides. No, that's crazy. Because, really, like we said, that's when Patrick Mahomes, like, like he came in and everybody was just blown away because yeah. he was well, doing he could do no wrong. Inhuman things. Yeah. Everything he was doing. And Travis Kelsey and, and Tyree Kill were freaking two hundred yards a game. Yeah. Like that was it was insane. So three time Super Bowl champions in a row, if Chris Jones doesn't I I think it was Frank Clark. Um Oh, was it? Either one. I mean it doesn't affect the outcome. If so and so doesn't uh, yeah, jump I mean, off still, sides. Yeah. Okay, I like that. I think it was Frank Clark. So my next one is, uh, and we mentioned this already, what if New York never traded Odell Beckham Jr.? And this is a really sad story because Odell, like, came into the league through his first couple years was, he was like, they were comparing him to Randy Moss, what Randy Moss did in his first couple years. He was literally on track, you know, Hall of Fame career. Top probably 10 receiver ever. And um, it's safe to say has literally the single best highlight oh, ever. of all time. I think that is probably the – not probably. I'll say that's the greatest catch I've ever seen. Never oh, 100%. You see no, I'm saying literally, I'm literally saying the greatest highlight in all of sports. Really? I'm being so genuine. Like, I, went, I saw it again the other day. No, it's it crazy. It literally blew my mind, and I've seen yeah. it a hundred times. No, seeing – I mean – that ball was coming from like 50 yards away. It's like seven years later, right? Yeah. The velocity that that ball was coming in with, that's hard to catch with two hands. Yeah. Not being dragged down by a defender. He is literally bending backwards, horizontal to the ground. Over and his he head. catches that ball with literally three fingers. Crazy. It's the most insane highlight I've ever seen. Yeah. And it counted is the big thing. Yeah. Like we've seen crazy catches that didn't count, but he caught it for a touchdown. Dude, I, I had one friend say, the only reason – Odell's – he's a Cowboys fan. Right. It was That play was against the Cowboys. Yeah. He's like, Odell's not even good. The only reason he won Rookie of the Year is because of that catch. Yeah. Like, that's not – I don't care. Better, that's freaking enough for me. <laughs> I'd have voted for him for that catch. So, OBJ, through 59 games, which is basically four seasons. Um, it was more than that, but he had a couple injuries. So, we'll just say four seasons with the Giants, 390 catches – for 5,476 yards and 44 touchdowns. Those are insane numbers. But then he dealt with some injuries and was traded to Cleveland. I think they did him, the Giants did him extremely dirty. They gave him a huge contract. And the the GM, I think it was Dave Gettleman, said some stupid stuff like, oh, wh why would we give Odell all this money if we're just going to trade him? And he literally traded him like three months later. Yeah. That's, I hate that. So, 
in Cleveland, I'll admit his first year there was pretty good. Still over 1,000 yards, but then only four touchdowns. So you go from, like, all pro level to maybe fringe pro bowl caliber receiver. Um, Then he got injured again, and now he's back, and he just – he doesn't look like Odell Beckham Jr. And it's like – I don't know if it's because he's in Cleveland or if he's had so many injuries now, and it's it's all piling up. But either way, he's he's just not the same. And I – I always think back to like, what if Odell could be with Saquon Barkley and like Sterling Shepard and Darius yeah. Slayton now in that receiving room they have? Like, I know Daniel Jones isn't the greatest, but I mean, still Odell Beckham yeah, was can playing. Throw the ball seventy yards. Yeah, and Odell Beckham was playing with an old Eli Manning yeah. and making it work. So that's my next thing. Like, if Odell, what if Odell stayed in New York? Like, would he finish as a is top ten or top five? Yeah. yeah, of all time, I think so easily. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm a I'm a huge Odell guy, and my when I became the biggest Odell guy was when kind of like we were saying, there's no longer that gatekeeper from social media, or I guess from athletes to the media, right, yeah. or to the public. Sorry, there no longer is that gatekeeper of the media, and so when it really struck for me was when he got pissed and punched <laughs> and hit the kicking net, oh and then the gosh. kicking net hit him in the face. Yeah. And then he tweets that video, right, because everybody's giving him crap for it. Everybody's like, he's a hothead. He's this. He's that. Yeah. And then he tweeted that video or posted on Instagram of Tom Brady freaking out and throwing his helmet and doing whatever. Yeah. And he was like, listen, it's just like it's the narrative of I don't think he brought race into it, but I kind of took it like that. It's a white quarterback Yeah. versus a black wide receiver like i like genuinely, tom brady does it and everybody's like oh look how much he loves the game he's yeah, so he's, emotionally he's invested passionate in it. he's being a leader he's wanting the most of his guys odell yeah. does it and he's a prima donna and yeah. like wh- that's when i really took odell's side because i was like that's so true and i feel like it happens in a lot of different things but anyway so i'm a huge odell guy and it's been really sad seeing it it's just something that i never really thought would happen right like i yeah. know and ACL injury is hard. And I know, like, the, you know, the mindset of coming back from an injury is also really hard. I didn't think he'd be dropping balls, right? Like, yeah. if anything, it was going to be, like, he's creating less space, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. coming out of his routes a little slower. I didn't think he was going to be dropping open passes. Yeah. And not that the one yesterday was open when he was trying to get that first down, but it's like – But the other thing, I just too – I just didn't see that coming. It's only four games in. So this is why I think this one's a little flawed. Like, his first season in Cleveland was fine. Rookie quarterback. Last year, he only played a couple games, and admittedly, he had some big games, and then he got injured. Yeah. And this year, I think yesterday was, like, his third or fourth game back. So he's still got a lot of football left to play. But this is, yeah, I definitely think he was on pace to be a top 10 receiver of all time in New York. So that's a huge one. Yeah, I would – I would – I guess the way I would say it is less less to do with the trade and yeah. what if he just never got hurt, right? What yeah. if he stays fully healthy? True. And I think that he's still putting up for Just sucks because there's a lot of those. Oh, yeah, it's all <laughs> it's all the time. We can play the what if game with that forever. So what's your last one? So the last one still kind of had to do with that same situation. And I the only reason I actually put it in there was because I thought about it right as it happened because that was kind of the big headline. It was like – Jared Goff and the Rams versus Tom Brady and the Patriots, right? Kind of old school versus new school with Sean McVay with a high-powered offense and, like, all of this stuff. We're going to score 60 points on you. And it was going to be, like, the passing of the torch, right? Because Jared Goff was the new hot thing and 
the Rams were putting up unreal numbers. And I think about it a lot in that, like, again, because the commentator brought it up after the game, literally as Jared Goff, and I still see it so clear, as Jared Goff is walking off the field, they were like, does that derail his career, not being yeah. able to beat Tom Brady? And it literally has. I genuinely believe if he wins that game, he signs a fat contract. Him and Sean McVay are still tight, and he's still leading the Rams to winning all of these games. Because I don't – this narrative, I guess it's not even a narrative because Sean McVay has said it. Like, he became unhappy with him, I think, during that game. Oh, yeah. Right? There were people making the comments of, like, Sean McVay doesn't trust Jared Goff, and this is when it started. And they go back to that Super Bowl game. And it's like – Jared Goff isn't a bad quarterback. He's kind of, again, proving that in Detroit. Like, he's doing – he's keeping a subpar team in games against better teams. Yeah. And it's – I think I, that's a fair point. I think that the reason that he failed in L.A. was because Sean McVay didn't trust him anymore. Yeah. But, again, if he beats Tom Brady and they win that Super Bowl, his career is completely different. Yeah, the fallout from that game is insane. So, I think – I think he did get a big contract. Well, I know he did. I don't know if it was before or after. Right. That they came. still, they still, no, I think but, it was after. But that was like before Sean McVay regard, wanted to. Admit, yeah, regardless. Admit is, that he like didn't like him anymore. Yeah. So you look at the season after that, um, and Jared Goff is basically on eggshells all year. Yeah. And every yeah. single mistake, not even two years ago, but even last year, every single mistake that Jared Goff made was immediately magnified by a million because it's like, Okay, we know McVeigh's not happy. And then obviously it culminated. McVeigh basically admitted that he didn't like Jared Goff, traded for a quarterback that he did want, Matthew yeah. Stafford. And I mean, they're back to being a lethal offense again. Um, yeah. But, but it's, so just let me ask you this straight up. Like, yeah. I do think that Matt Stafford is better, but like, yeah. how much better is he actually being genuine? I mean, I'd put Jared Goff on the kind of Teddy Bridgewater tier of top. Like, what he did in 2019 was incredible. Yeah, but how much of that is like that's that's right, the Sean outlier. Offense, so that's kind of yeah. what I'm saying, right? Like, and that's the outlier year compared to like you look at what Jared Goff did in all his other years. Like, it hasn't been bad, but it's been pretty pretty much average. Whereas what Matthew Stafford did with the Lions, like he's always been top 10 to top 15. I guess that's true. That's probably um, a better comparison is like, what did Matt Stafford do versus what did Yeah, what and then Jared I think doing? there's like... But they're putting up the same... I think there's... <laughs> they're doing the same thing. Eye test versus stats is another big thing. Like you watch Jared Goff play and there's nothing that really blows you away. But that's kind of my whole point is like... I felt like that 2019 season and up until that Super Bowl game, right. he looked confident. He looked like he wanted Definitely. to make the throw. He wasn't scared to throw an interception. Yeah. And then he lost that game, got paid, and then it's like you were saying, he was on eggshells. It's like he was playing with a leash. Yeah, and it's that's like a good way to put it. No. Every time he did something, he was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, instead of like being confident about it and actually just slinging the ball like, like a, he can. He's like a beat dog. Yeah. I think that's that's why we're doing the what if. It's like – how does Jared Goff look in the last two years if they do win that Super Bowl? Then it's like, okay, does he does it become like, oh yeah, Jared Goff is a good quarterback instead of, oh, it's just Sean McVay's offense. Yeah. It's crazy, man. That was a huge because that's also kind of when the downfall of Todd Gurley started too. Yep. There was a lot of fallout after this after that game. And it's like, how different would the NFL be today? 
if Jared Goff beat Tom Brady? Does Tom Brady retire after that Dude, Super Bowl? literally. I think about it all I the time. I think he would have because I think he does there too. were questions about his retirement before that game even started. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl and then retired, kind of the walk into the sunset thing. Uh, Tom Brady's getting old. He's about that same age. Does he retire? If he loses that game, it's like – well, and I think even more so if he loses to the Chiefs, right? Because now yeah. it's like, oh, he can't even get back to the Super Bowl. Right. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, and then it's game. like last year the Rams, do they lose in the playoffs? I don't know. But it's it's crazy how much, uh, I guess, a player's confidence can affect their level of play. Yeah, I, I just think that the conversation would have been a lot more like it was in 2019 where it's like Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff are taking over the league. Yeah. Because that's how strong the narrative was. Yeah, it's crazy. And then you can go back and you watch his play from 2019 to 2020, and it's not like he just suddenly had a worse arm and was making worse decisions. I think playing with the leash is the best way to put it. Like, he knows you hear about coaches and GMs on the hot seat and stuff. He knows he's on the hot seat yeah. after that loss. Not necessarily because they lost either, but because they performed so badly. Yeah. I think he's just scared to lose his job. Yeah. And so hopefully being in Detroit will kind of reinvigorate his career. I hope so, dude. I thought he was going to be more of like a stopgap kind of guy. But, I mean, the way that he's played through six weeks in Detroit, they're still winless, which is huge. And that's what most people care about is the wins. But, I mean, they have performed. They've been in games yeah, that they shouldn't have been in. They've been in games that they shouldn't have been. And I don't know. That's maybe they're gonna, Detroit. They're going to win a game. If, if I freaking hope it's against the Bears. But. Oh, yeah. I don't think they're going to go 0-17. I really don't. Yeah, that's a lot based of, off of Yeah. <laughs> based off of how they've played, like, I'd be extremely They're going to accidentally win a game. But let's say they hang on to Jared Goff. Like, obviously, that's a good thing. That's one less position you have to worry about rebuilding for the Lions. So, Dude, maybe, I, I, there's no way that Jared Goff is worse than Tua and Jacoby Brissett. In Miami. Yeah. I really don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Um, I definitely – I'd put Jared Goff in that kind of 15 to 20 range. Would you Would you take Jared Goff over Teddy Bridgewater to be on the Broncos right now? Uh, after <laughs> yeah. after yesterday, yeah. But I, I think the other thing with that is, like, Teddy's more of a locker room guy. I don't know what kind yeah, of presence. Probably. Like, everybody loves Teddy Bridgewater. You hear yeah. people, like, gush about him all the time. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, well, and what he did with uh, what's-his-face after praying after the game. Justin Simmons. Yeah, yeah. that's a stud. Like, I don't know if Jared Goff is that kind of locker room yeah, guy. and that's totally fair. But, I mean, on the field, like, it's not like they're that different of players. I think they're both incredibly average. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that, I guess, is our last what if. Um, That's all we have, really, today. Um, Cardinals are the last undefeated team. They remain undefeated, 6-0. That's going to be huge. Big game for the Bills tonight. They're playing the Titans. Um, I do want to mention, I had a $1 parlay yesterday that would have won me $100. You know who the team that busted it was? The one, there was one team. That busted it. Hold on, let me think. It was Jacksonville. No. Dang it. It was the Broncos. (laughs) (laughs) I had Jacksonville beating Miami, and I had a few other. There were like seven teams in it. Yeah, some crazy upsets. And the one team that busted it 
was the Broncos. Damn, that could've loss a, hurt. Could have made a hundred bucks off of one dollar. Yeah, so yeah, I never bet on the Vikings. You, could I'm say, already so emotionally invested in that game that if I had money on it, I'd freaking. And that's something I should have taken into consideration. Yeah, you'll learn, dude. Because after I never after put the money la- on yeah Vikings after the games. last three weeks, it's like. Yeah. Okay, but and anyways. if I do put money on the Vikings game, I do it for the other team because <laughs> that way, like, it's a win lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. So by the time we record next, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of games. We got Bills and Titans tonight, Broncos Browns Thursday night. With all the injuries both teams have, I mean, Denver just announced that yeah, could be interesting. Their other starting inside linebacker, Alexander Johnson, he's out with a torn pec for the rest of the year as well. That's both inside linebackers with that same injury. Um, it's gonna be the injury bowl on yeah, thursday night that's I think. gonna be that's, a, gonna be, a that's gonna be quite the game it's not gonna be fun to watch so anyways <laughs> we will see you next tuesday uh thank you so much for listening